Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, tonight I'm excited about our um, message, about the, the, actually the title of our message. The title of our message tonight is The End of the Age. The end of the age. Isn't that kind of a catchy title? We're going to talk tonight about the end of the age. Now, let me catch you up and let you know exactly where we're going so that you can have a frame of reference. Tonight is an in Christ message. Now, what do I mean by an in Christ message? Well, it is a message that's going to talk to us about our position in Christ. Okay? Now, when you read in Christ in the Bible, you know, uh, you're going to, it, it, it's going to indicate a few different things. But it's a very simple reading, and you can see what it's indicating. But many times, what you will read that, that in Christ is talking about, it's talking about a position. It's talking about literally being in Christ. Okay, And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, being in Christ. We talked last Wednesday evening in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 that if anyone is in Christ... Now, it's, it's, it's not just talking about, you know, I pray in, in Jesus' name. It's not talking about invoking a name. It's not talking about, you know, uh, 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 saying a word that, had, that, that, that has magic or something. You know, that, that's not what it is. It's literally talking about if any person gets into Christ, if any person is in Christ, it's because they have become a brand new creature. God has somehow, with his infinite power, with, 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 with his omnipotent uh, you know, abilities, he has caused us to be born again. Our old man died, and a brand new person was born, and we were born in Christ. It's like when you were born uh, of, of your mother, you were born into this world. You were born in the world. You, you, literally, you were born in the world. Okay, that's, I mean, boom, all of a sudden you were in the world because you were born. And when Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again, he said, what? You know, shall I enter into my mother's womb a second time and, 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 and be born? In the, Jesus said, no. That was a natural birth. There is a spiritual birth that is basically, you know, just exactly like that. You are not born into the world, not born in a natural sense, but it's born in Christ, into Christ in a spiritual sense. And so this in Christ message is literally talking about a position that we hold, a position that we have in Christ as new creatures, as new creations in Christ, all right? And so as we talk about this tonight, we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 24, and uh, with, with everything that we talk about, let me encourage you to remember that, that, that you are in Christ. You are already in Christ. You are already raised and seated with Christ in heavenly places. That's what the Bible says. Your citizenship is in heaven. Right now, we, we, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. We are strangers. We are foreigners. We are pilgrims. We're just passing through we have a, a, a home not made with hands you know we we have a, a, a you know an eternal existence we are immortal 
We have been born again. We are children of the Most High God. We are heirs you know, of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What Jesus inherits from God, we inherit right along with Him because we are in Christ. To wit that God was in Christ and we are in Him. And His hope is, in John 17, that we would become one in Christ like He and God are one. I mean, God is, you know, I am in God, and, you know, I mean, you know, it is just amazing, okay, that we are in Christ. Now, when we get to Matthew chapter 24, uh, it's, it's the middle of the week, okay? It's probably a Tuesday. It might be a Wednesday. It's in the spring of the year. How do we know? Well, because of the festival, the feast that's going to be happening. It's the Feast of Pentecost that's taking place this week. How do we know it's in the middle of the week? Because the Bible tells us that Jesus went to the temple in the middle of that last week before he was crucified. So it's probably two, maybe three days before he's going to be crucified. And Jesus tells us so much in these last few days just before he's crucified. I mean, you know, uh, collectively about 39% of the total Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you put all of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John together, you know, about 39% of everything Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John has to say, Jesus said and is about the period of time within these last 10 days to two weeks of his earthly life and ministry. And so, I mean, he gets right here to the end of, of, of his week, to the end of the last week before he is crucified and he's going to begin to tell us a lot of things okay he's going to begin to pour out parables and and principles uh, you know many of which are taught without any real reference to the to, to, to the to the time and to the level perhaps that many people would be exp, you know experienced the level of 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 stress you know you saying well was jesus stressed well yes he was to be under pressure is not a sin he was under such pressure, the Bible says, that when he prayed, he prayed great sweat drops of blood. That's how much pressure he was under. The pressure he was facing is, is this the will of God for my life or not? That's why he went three times in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying and saying, if it be your will. Now, if I don't have to go through this, take this cup from me. But if it's your will, Lord, just let me know and I can go through this. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. But he went ahead through with this. But to think he was not, you know, uh, you know uh, he, 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 he woke his disciples up and said, can you not tear with me? Can you not pray with me even one hour? You know, my soul is under pressure. Pray with me, you know. And, and so Jesus felt this pressure pressure of it perhaps being you know uh, 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 you know his last words his last times to visit with his disciples on planet earth as a group just before he is betrayed by one of them so you know the time is the middle of the week it's probably about ad 30 or so you might say hold on a second i thought jesus was 33 and a half well you know he he was when he died you know uh, uh well, wasn't he born in zero? Well, no, he wasn't. <laughs> Jesus, you know, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know, you know, most of you are probably aware of that, but let me just go on record by saying Jesus wasn't born in zero, okay? Zero didn't even exist when Jesus was born, okay? But the miscalculation of looking back and before the common era of miscalculation and when it started, we happen to know that there was a king named Herod that was alive 
when Jesus was born because, you know, of the wise men and, you know, and, and all that stuff. Well, that particular King Herod died in the year 4 B.C. You kind of get the picture here? So this is how we kind of put things together. So, uh, you know, about as late as this could be would be about 30. It could be 29, but it, you know, could be 30, depending on, you know, uh, anyway. So that's about the time it was. In the spring of the year, probably on a Tuesday, maybe a Wednesday. For some of you, you know, you like thinking about that. Brothers, you're saying, why in the world is he talking about that? Because some people enjoy stuff like that, okay? The setting is here in Jerusalem, okay? He's, uh, he's, he's just left Jerusalem when we get to Matthew 24, and he's walked just across the Kidron Valley. It's just, you know... Uh, outside of the, of the city of Jerusalem, it may be 100 yards to the Kidron Valley. And then it may be 150, 200 yards up the Mount of Olives. And when you get on the Mount of Olives, that's when you look across. You know, today you can see that dome of the rock. It's that picture when you're looking across and looking at the city of Jerusalem, if you see it on the news or anything. That's where he was on that mountain. In fact, uh, you know, that's where Larry and Becky used to live uh, there in Bethany, right just over the crest on the other side of that little hill of the Mount of Olives. And, uh, you know, it's just, it was a very comfortable place to go and sit in the evening because you could sit there and look right back at the city of David and right back at the temple. It's just it was just a wonderful place to be okay and so Jesus is going to have a meeting with his disciples his closest friends that have been walking with him for three and a half years because he knows in two or three days he's going to be crucified and so here uh, Jesus sits down to enjoy a private moment of conversation with his closest disciples and the subject of discussion is going to be the end of the age. By the time we get to Matthew chapter 24, you could read in verses 1 and 2 that, that, uh, that uh, they came out of the temple and they went across the valley and, and uh, Jesus told them, you know, that, that one day the temple's going to be torn down. When we get to verse 3 of Matthew 24, it says this, As Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? When will the temple be destroyed and not one stone left upon another? When, and what will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? The end of this age. You know, an age spoken of here is a period of time it's a season it's a dispensation here uh, uh, specifically even though they may not have known what they were referencing we are in an age we are in the age of Messiah we are in the church age we are in the age right now we are in a certain period of time that Jesus is going to describe and they are asking him as his closest friends in a private moment and he's just about to be crucified he wants to give them a clear picture of what they have requested what will be you know the sign of your coming and of the end of the age verse 4 Jesus says and, and, and Jesus answered and said to them 
Take heed that no one deceive you. I find it very interesting that in this discourse about the end of the age, Jesus begins and ends with an admonition to his disciples, don't let anyone deceive you. This is a very important aspect of the end of the age. He will visit it again and again and again, encouraging them to make sure that no one fools you. Make, make, make sure you aren't deceived because a lot of deception will be going on in the end of the age. There will be a lot of opportunity for us to believe things that, that, that aren't right and, and for us to experience things that want to uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, confirm untruth to us. If we're not watchful, we can be deceived. In fact, Jesus will say that, that, that uh, it, 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 you know, if, if the time was not shortened, even the very elect would end up being deceived. So he begins his message on the end of the age saying, don't be deceived. Listen, he, he tells them, you, you can read these. I'm not reading all the verses here, uh, but we'll read a few of them. He tells them in verse 6 and 7 that, 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 that you're going to hear of wars, okay? And you're going to hear uh, nations threatening to go to war with one another. You're going to hear that, okay? That's, that's going to happen. And, and uh, you know, uh, please, he says it, please don't let these things make you afraid. Please don't let these things trouble you. Don't let wars and rumors of wars and, and, and you know, uh, nations rising up against nation, uh, that's going to happen, but that is not a sign of the end, he said. The end is not yet. He says, uh, for you're going to see a lot of nations in trouble, and you're going to see a lot of kingdoms divided against one another, and you're going to see a lot of famine, and you're going to see a lot of pestilence, and you're going to see earthquakes in so many places. Don't think that just because you're having an earthquake, don't think that just because there's a famine, don't think that just because, you know, of, of one thing or another, that, that the end is yet. He said in verse 8, all these things that you're going to experience that are going to trouble you and give you difficulty and it's going to make nation, divide nation and wars and rumors of war and fighting and pestilence and famine, all these things are the beginning of sorrows. It's not the end. It's just the beginning. Okay? And we have seen for the past 2,000 years all of these things on planet Earth, haven't we? And in many ages and stages on the earth, we have seen people saying, this is the end. This has got to be the end. It can't get any worse than this. How many times have people thought, especially whenever they might be involved in some devastating earthquake or some famine or some pestilence or, or some war, how in, the world, uh, how in the world did Jesus not come during World War II? I mean, I mean, that would have been, I mean, World War I. I mean, you know, in uh, all the different wars. And that's what here this is exactly what Jesus is saying. You know, these things are going to be happening all the time, but it's just the beginning. You ain't seen nothing yet, he said. He even went on, you can read about it in, in verse 9 and 10 and 11. He said, you know, they're going to, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, deliver you up to tribulation. You're going to be persecuted. Okay? Those of you that follow me, you are going to be taken in front of tribunals you're going to be taking in, taken in front of judges and 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 you know uh, 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 and you're going to have tribulation and i'm sorry but some of you are going to be killed some of you will be martyred and indeed it 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 has been true for 2000 years it's amazing how many people each year are martyred for the cause of christ 
And once again, he told them in verse 6, uh, excuse me, in verse 9, he, he, he told them, look, uh, you're going to be hated. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to be hated for nothing more than holding on to me, for identifying with me, for claiming that you have, uh, you know, uh, some connection with me, for claiming that you know the truth, Jesus. That, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, if, if you happen to take a stand for God in some situations, it's not always going to be popular. You might be killed, he said, and you will be hated for my name's sake. And, and, uh, and, and, and then he said, you know, you're going to experience this, followers and believers. Many people are going to be offended at things you have to say. And because the truth is going to offend many people. I mean, you can read it for yourself. He said the, the, the truth that you share is going to offend many people. And some of those people you offend, they're going to betray you. You're going to think that they were your family and your friends. But you're going to find out that they betray you because they're offended. Because perhaps you aren't taking their side. Perhaps you aren't seeing it from their perspective. And not only that, but they will hate you. People will hate one another because I've been offended. You offend me, I'm going to hate you. If you don't agree with me, I'm going to hate you. That's what the world does. These are all elements of the world that, you know, the world is vengeful and revengeful. The world hates <laughs> And he also said in verse 11 that in this time between the time he's talking to them and the very end, that there will be many false prophets arise. What is a false prophet but someone who says they know the truth and they don't? Someone who says this is the truth and it's not. It does not have to be a prophet of God, thus saith the Lord. No, this this prophet is someone that is claiming something that's not true. They claim to know something, and it's not the truth. Whew. Can you all think of anybody in the world that would ever claim to know something and it yet be a lie, be not true? Many false prophets. And he also said that because of these false prophets, many people will believe them and will be deceived once again jesus said listen it's so important it's so important you know when will you know tell us jesus now we're your closest friends and jesus knows he's about to be crucified tell us jesus let us know you know when will the end of the age be well i want you to know something <laughs> you know a lot of things are going to happen between now and then but here's some things you're going to see and you're going to end up if you're not watchful you know believing something you heard or something you read or something that 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 someone that 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 looks like and sounds like and you know uh, that, that 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 should look it, it looks like they should be believed but don't be deceived his admonition is that the last days Marked with a lot of deception. Verse 12, he says, And because lawlessness will abound. Oh my goodness. We just talked Sunday about that. You remember the three reasons why God backs up from a nation or a family or an individual and says, Fine, go for it. You remember that? We talked about it Sunday. First reason is, is because they are without a true God. The second reason is because they're without a teaching priest. 
And the third reason is, is because they're without law. And that's what Jesus is referring to in the end of the age, is that people will, will be without the standard of life that make us able to exist together on the earth, in a city, in a country. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Now, let's connect those dots for just a moment before we move on. Because people are no longer walking in line with the Word of God, this is what happens when you don't walk in line with God's Word. When you don't have a standard, when you don't have a principle in your life. Whenever love is not your motivation, okay, it will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. What does that mean? That means that you can hurt somebody, be brutal, be cruel to someone, and it no longer affects you. That you can write them off and forget them, and you can no longer, you know, uh, and you, you know, it just doesn't bother you. It doesn't haunt you. Verse 13, what a promise Jesus gives them. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. <laughs> Don't be deceived. You just keep on doing what I've taught you to do. And if you'll keep on doing what I've taught you to do, you're going to end up at the right destination, in the right place. You will be saved. And verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into all the world as a witness to all nations. And then, Lord, when shall the end come? When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached into all the world, to all nations. You know, then the end will come. Boy, what a clear definition. What a great answer Jesus provided them. He went on to tell them that, you know, everything else is going to, you know, everything else will fade. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. But he said, but I, what I'm telling you is going to stand forever. My word will stand forever. And then in verse 36, he says, but of that day and hour knows no, you know, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. And then he gives them a key what you can look for you don't know the day nor the hour he's making a reference to a very specific feast he's making reference to the feast of tabernacles okay you don't know the day nor the hour that that feast begins okay because it begins only when two witnesses see the first sliver of the moon so they stand out and watch in the dark skies, and when two witnesses see that first silver, they don't know. This is what they say. We don't know the day nor the hour that this particular feast begins, but, but, but we do know that the season that it begins. We do, we do know the time, and we're out looking for it. We, you know, uh, and and uh, that's what he's making reference to. He, he says, uh, you know, my, my, my father's the only one that can reveal this moment. In verse 37, he gives a key. But as the days of Noah were, so also would the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, now, this is where I want to focus tonight on the end of the age. As the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. 
you know, it's very important to remember that he goes on to tell them that you know, before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And, you know, and, and they were going about their business until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the Lord shut the door. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked about that and taught that several times here. But tonight, I want to focus on two specific things because there is a very significant sign that points the student of the Bible in, 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 in several directions, this particular sign. But Jesus gives us a clear picture of the truth about the end times. Tonight, we're going to talk about two basic things. Number one, what will be happening in the world when Jesus comes? What will we see in the world? What, what is the world going to look like on the day that Jesus comes? Whenever God says, go, you know, and, you know, bring, uh, bring our family back, what's going to be happening? Well, uh, it's, it's, it's very important to realize that there's going to be business as usual with, with, with the, all of the calamity and all of the chaos and the earthquakes and the famines and the pestilence and the wars and the rumors of wars and the persecution and, and, you know, and all of these things are happening. It, it, it's, it's going to be business as usual and there's going to be a lot of deception, a lot of false prophets, a lot of people saying this is the truth, this is the truth, this is the truth. And many people are going to be drawn away and going to be divided on the truth and they're going to you know, be, be deceived. And many people are going to be believing many different things because of all of the voices that that are that, that are sounding right and you know and and, and should be right and and uh, you know it's 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 going to be a day of lawlessness it's going to be a day whenever there are no you know uh, uh, truths when when truth is negotiable when there's my truth your truth everybody's truth and we don't have to you know there, there is no truth it's going to be a day in the world what's going on in the world the, anything that anything goes in the world in this day okay Anything, <laughs> everything, anything, anything you want in this day. There'll be a lack of love. There'll be cold love, cruelty, and uncaring individuals and governments and organizations will not care who they hurt to get what they want because they have no love. They're without love. Their love has grown cold. The common love that we have for others and the common care. You know, uh, you know, one group will just stick their head in the sand and the other group will be out there running full blast, you know, ready to fight into war because we don't care if our enemies live or die. That's not what Jesus said. He said love them and feed them and care about them and do good to them. If somebody persecutes you, what did Jesus say? Do good to them. Well, I don't believe that. You know... I'm not going to do it this Sunday, but I had thought about coming to church this Sunday and reading some passages we don't believe and tearing those verses, tearing those pages out of a Bible. But then I thought, you know, I'd get in trouble all over the world if I tore my Bible up. But I just, I, you know, how would y'all feel about this? Huh? But is that what we do? Do we tear it out of our mind and out of our heart whenever... You know, the word says, love one another with a pure heart, fervently. Do good to others. You know, exalt others. Esteem others better than yourselves. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Not do to them what they did to you. 
That's the world's way. That's the false prophet. That's deception. That's lawlessness. That's love grown cold. But it will be happening in the world. There'll be wars and and divided nations and famines and pestilence and earthquakes. This is what will be happening in the world on the day that Jesus comes. And, And many people will be offended. They will be so offended that they will betray each other. I thought you was my friend. Families will be fighting against one another. Divided friendships. And they'll even hate one another. Because they don't like what you say. The church will be under persecution. There'll be persecution in the church, by the church, and of the church. Isn't that horrible? You see, that's what is going to be going on in the world. And believe me when I tell you, I have it on good authority that it's not going to stop. Our history is just the beginning of sorrows for the world. That's the bad news. What's the good news? Well, Jesus, while this is going on in the world, number two, what's going on in the church? What will be happening in the church in the last days. Well, you know, you can read Revelation chapter 2 and 3 and get a more specific idea, but let me tell you what will be happening in the church. It will be like the days of Noah. Now remember, all that stuff that was going on in the days of Noah, that's what's happening in the world. But what was going on in Noah's life? That's the church. Okay? What was going on in the ark? That's the church. Okay? You know, there, 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 there are two stories here. There are, there, 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 there are two truths. There are two things we can look at. And we can see what's going on in the world. It's evil. It's waxing worse and worse. It's not going to get any better. Okay? But we also need to see what's, what, 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 is, what will be happening, what was happening in the days of Noah will be happening in the end of the age. What was happening in, 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 in Noah's life was something different. While the world was lying in wickedness and there was calamity and chaos all during Noah's day. And, and you know, uh, what was Noah doing? Well, number one, Noah was trusting God. <laughs> Come on now, get, get, get a little excited with me here because these are some of my punchlines. Noah, this is us. This is what we're supposed this is what we're supposed to be looking at. We're not supposed to be looking at how bad the world is going to be in the end of the world. Let me tell you, it's not going to get any better, but let me tell you about the church, okay? The church in the end of the age is going to be the representation of Noah against all odds and, and believing in things that we have never seen and never experienced. It had not rained yet. And here Noah was trusting God, not just trusting God, but he was putting his energy and his and his efforts in to what he believed was was God's word. He was trusting God and he he decided he was not going to follow the world. He was not going to adopt their ways. He was not going to be like them. He was not going to be deceived. He was not going to let his love wax cold. He was not going to be lawless. He He was going to be different. 
you know. And not only was he going to be different, he was going to try his best to get through to some other people. (laughs) Bless his heart. Noah worked very hard on God's plan of salvation. While the world was wicked, and while the world was on its way to judgment, and while the world was about to end, Noah was working on the plan of salvation. What was the plan of salvation? The ark, the church, God's hope, Noah's hope, Noah's family's hope. Hebrews 11 verse 7 says that by faith Noah prepared. There's another little tidbit to that. He prepared for 120 years. It didn't just happen overnight. He prepared. He put his life's work into not being deceived and not becoming like the world and not believing the prophets of the world. People thought he was crazy. People thought he was a lunatic. People couldn't imagine. They couldn't fathom what he was doing. He was trusting God. He believed God's word more than he believed the world. He didn't believe the prophets of this world. He believed God. He trusted God. The Bible says, you can read it in, in 1 Peter 3 and verse 20. The Bible says that, that God waited patiently while Noah was building the ark. All the time Noah was working on the church. All the time that Noah was working on the plan of salvation for him and his family. All that while, God waited patiently. Yes, the world was wicked, and God just stepped back in that instance for another 120 years. Well, he's been stepping back for about 2,000 years at this point. And all the while, in fact, that's exactly what the Word of God tells us, that, that, that God is waiting while, while we you know, are, are, are out here you know, working in the church and, and doing our best to not you know, go the way of the world. God is waiting patiently, hoping that others will come in. Noah, the Bible says, God waited patiently for Noah to build an ark to save his household. Isn't that interesting? God waited patiently while Noah worked on his family and worked for his family. Aren't you glad that God is waiting today for us to work on family and friends and others? God's waiting patiently for us to work on the plan of salvation that God has for mankind. Noah believed God. He believed that God was serious about judging wickedness. He believed that God would finally bring this world to an end. I believe that. I believe one day he will. I don't think it's 120 years off. Noah may not have either. But Noah had a little better indication. He was working on the plan of salvation. Noah busied himself with God's work while he was being a witness. Tonight, in 2 Peter 2, 5, this is what the Bible says. That God did not spare the ancient world, but he saved Noah. 
Oh, my. God will not spare this wicked world, but he will save his children. He saved Noah, one of eight people, and look at what Noah's title in the Bible is. He's a preacher of righteousness. God brought in the flood on the world of the ungodly. But he saved Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What was Noah doing for the 120 years? He was working the plan of God for salvation. He was building an ark while he was also preaching righteousness. What is righteousness? Get right with God. That's all. Get right with God. Get right with God. Get right with God. Oh, he only had one message. This morning while I was getting ready, you know, I... I, 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 I you know, studied my sermon. I knew what I was going to preach, and I was I was rehearsing it before God, and and you know just you know you know talking to God and 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 allowing you know uh, uh, God to to you know you know uh, affect my thoughts in return to guide my thoughts. And one of the things that I laughed, I I, I just laughed out loud whenever I said God. And I got to the end of my message with God. I was in the shower. And I said, you know, God, this is just the same message I always preach. It's just the same one. I felt an echo back from God. And this, if I could put what I felt in words, and if I could stretch enough to say that God kind of chuckled back at me and said, yeah, <laughs> can you imagine how long I've been preaching that one? <laughs> I said, Lord, Noah did it for 120 years. God said, you know how long I've been doing it? It's the only message there is. You know, I repackage it. I repurpose it. I roll it up in different paper, and I present it. You know, here it is. You know, I put a little sugar on it. You know, I put a little salt on it. But I don't have but one message. God doesn't have but one message. Get right with God. And preach. Impact your family. And others, like Noah did, he preached righteousness. He didn't just get right. He shared with other people the necessity of getting right. I love the fact that right in the very middle of chapter 24, in verse 14, Jesus said, you know, and, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. That's, 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 that's still what Jesus is trying to get us to do. Preach the gospel of the kingdom in all the world. You know, to all nations. And then we can close this up and get out of here. That's only done by the church. No one individual can preach the gospel into all the world. And that's not a cumulative. This is a, this is the whole world needs to be reached in every generation. Because sinners are born every day. It's not, oh, well, they did that back in, you know, in, in the year 300 in that country. So that we, we'll mark that one off. No. Huh. Sinners are born every day. We need to reach the world in every generation, every house. And in this generation, we are reaching the whole world. This message will reach the whole world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is being preached into all the world, to all nations. I reckon, I reckon we're about ready for the end. Verse 45 of chapter 24 says, uh, 
Who then is that faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Are you that wise master that, that will give people, that will feed people the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's how Jesus is concluding this subject. Where can I find some faithful people who are willing to take what the master supplies and give it to others? Verse 46, blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. I want to be blessed, so I'm going to be found encouraging other people with a smile on my face and joy in my heart. Don't be deceived. Don't believe the false prophets. You know, don't, don't become lawless. Don't let your love grow cold. You know? Yes, there are famines, and yes, there's nation against nation and city against city, and yes, 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 yes. But let me tell you what's going on in the church. Okay? The good news. You can be right with God. You can be blessed by God, even in the middle of this situation we're facing. As we conclude, I'll just tell you, the best news yet is this is an in-Christ message. You are in the ark already. When you got born again, you got into the ark. So you're in Christ. Isn't that great that we don't have to worry about the door closing? You're, when you get saved, you're in Christ. You are in the ark. Wow. And it's from there that we serve God.